Welcome everyone to the continuation of a series we are doing together calling Built For It. And all throughout this series, what we're trying to do is to activate some things on the inside of you, on the inside of me, on the inside of us. We're trying to open our minds to realize why God has built us the way he's built us and what it is he's built us for. And then what we are doing is we are being pushed. We are being propelled into the very things God has built us to do. Because we don't want to just sit idly by and we don't want to just talk about it. We want to be about it because we are built for it. And today's built for it focus if you missed part one, you can go back and watch that on YouTube, listen to the podcast, because we talked about how we were built for worship. But today, our built for it focus isn't something I'm just simply sharing with you. It's not something I'm merely just teaching to you and trying to help you understand or preaching so it moves your soul a bit. Today... Our built for it focus is something that I have lived for much of my life, something I am living even now. And I pray by the grace of God and the strength of God, I will live out for the whole of my life. And it's this idea that we are built to serve. We are built for serving. See, the church is to be a group of people serving God by serving people. That's what we do. That's who we are. When you see the, the word church, when you see the name church, it don't matter whether it's believing or something or somewhere else. It is supposed to be people of God gathering, yes, to worship God, but also to serve other people. And by serving other people, they are serving God. By serving God, we serve other people. Church is not a product to consume, although that's what many of us have distilled it down to. We think it's just something we take in. I like this sermon. I don't like this sermon. I like that music. I don't like that music. I like their location. I don't like their location. No, 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 no. I go online. I don't go. They have online. They don't have online. No, 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 no. It is not just some product that we consume. It is a people on a mission that contribute to the vision of God, the purposes of God. And what we are to do is we're to bring our present selves, whatever our uh, stage and age of life is, whatever our resources are, whatever our talents are, whatever our abilities are, whatever our connections are, we are to bring them and allow God in this season to use them in this season for his honor, for his glory, and the good of people around us. See, it's while we do whatever we can for him and for others, there's something that happens at the same time. When we bring our gifts and our talents and our abilities and use them for him, yes, there's good that's done outside of us. Yes, there's good that's done all around us. Yes, people meet Jesus. Yes, transformation goes all around us. But I need to tell you before I get into that today that he does in us, he does for us as we serve what we didn't even know we needed. See, there's a statement I've made for many, many years that on the surface you won't understand, but I will explain it to you. Because I am one who fundamentally believes, because I've lived it, 
because I've experienced it. That serving can change your life and you will see how it can change your life as we go through our time together today. But I am living proof that serving can save your life. Serving can save your life. Now, don't get it twisted, all you spiritual folk, thinking somehow this preacher up here talking about how, how we got to serve in order to be saved and go to heaven. That's not what I'm saying. Listen, we are saved by grace through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. I'm not talking about serving somehow is a, is a way for you to get to heaven. No, no, no. It is by grace through faith. I'm talking about your, being, your life being saved in the here and now. I'm talking about your life being protected. I'm talking about hurt and heartache. I'm talking about damage that you will be able to divert. I'm talking about struggle that you will bypass. I am talking about when you could have wandered off and gone another way. Somehow something kept you online and that thing could be, that thing might be serving. Because serving, yes, it can change your life. And I pray you see that. I pray you experience that. I pray you step into that today. But serving save your life. The reason I know that is I'm testimony to it. I am testimony to the saving power of serving. You know, high school for me could have been really, really bad. My family uh, that I was raised in was, was very dysfunctional. And things only began to exacerbate themselves and its dysfunction right about the time I got into high school. And home was, I don't know a softer way to put it than just home was hell. Like, I didn't want to go home ever. Because it was nothing but fighting and yelling and arguing and bickering and all this kind of mess. Always. And I was young for my age or for my grade. And so, you know, I, I, I had to get a little further along to be somebody who could drive, be somebody who could, you know, get all that. But from the time I was younger in the church that I went to, I served, and right about the time I started high school, I had a, a youth pastor come into my life by the name of David. He was the youth pastor at our church, and David let me serve. Now, sometimes I joke, I think David let me serve because there was stuff he didn't want to do, but he was like, oh, this dude will do it. I'll let him do it, and, and, and maybe, but more than that, David believed in me, and he let me serve. He let me, yes, use my gifts and talents that he could see in me that I couldn't see in me. And it was him that gave me the opportunity to, 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 to preach for the very first time. It was him that encouraged me to develop my gifts and talents in some different capacities that were going on at the time. But it was him that also gave me the opportunity to be a part of things. It was him that gave me the opportunity to, to do stuff around the church and like, like feel like I was making a difference. See, what you don't understand is, yes, I have some seminary degrees, and yes, I got some, I got some theological degrees I can set on your head, but I have a doctorate in table carrying. You will be hard pressed to find a better table carrier in these United States of America. 
Now, some of you around our church have carried tables before. And if you've carried tables here in person, you know that our tables are very easy to carry. I don't even know what the metal is that they are made of, but it is light, you know, and the tops of them are made of plastic and they don't weigh nothing but about six, seven, eight, maybe 10 pounds at the most each. They are light. They are they are squared off underneath so you can pick them up easily, put one in each can and carry these tables. But let me tell you something about the church I went to in high school. They didn't have them tables. I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember them old school folding tables, them version one folding tables that I think are made of steel and concrete. Each one individually weighs 783 pounds. Sometimes people will ask me, how you get so big and strong? Nobody asked me how I get so big and strong. But if they did, I'd tell them it came because I carried tables. See, these tables were heavy. These tables, when you set them on their side to pick them up and carry them, they, they, they weren't built to be carried by the frame that went around the edge. You had to carry them by the, by the legs of the table because if you tried to simply carry them by the, by, the, by the frame around the edge, the edges were so sharp and the tables were so heavy, like they would slice your hands as you carried them. I'm not making this up <laughs> like like there are imprints in my hand, I think still to this day from carrying tables when I was 15 years old, carrying tables when I was 16 years old. And that's OK, because it was an opportunity for me to serve. I remember being 16 years old and uh, when I turned 16, I started I started working at, at, at the mall, got me a job uh, at this little little store called Golf America. But I also was given a key to our church because on Sundays, I'd be the first person there. Because our church, uh, you know, they had somebody and some stuff that, that would clean, but cleaning was about all they did. They didn't really straighten stuff up. And it bothered me that the chairs wouldn't be straight on Sunday morning in our auditorium or that the classrooms wouldn't be set up for the kids. And so I'd come real early on Sunday morning and make sure things were set up before any pastor got there, before my pastor got there, before anybody got there to run through a song, before anybody got there to set up their Sunday school class. I mean, I don't know nothing about Sunday school. Before any of this would happen, I got there. And I, in my life, never paid a penny for anything I ever did there. But can I tell you, I know that serving there saved me. Because with everything going on at my home, I don't know where I would have been. I don't know what I would have gotten into. I don't know who I would have allowed to have a loud voice in my life. But by the grace of God and because of serving, I leaned into pastors and I leaned into my youth pastor and I leaned into people in my life who were going to point me towards God and the things of God. Even though I had to walk back to hell on earth at the house, I had I had this foundation that came because I simply served and I served when I was a freshman and I served when I was a sophomore and I served when I was a junior and I served when I was a senior and I didn't get my license to drive and let that be a license to go do whatever it is I want to do and now I ain't got time for church no more no I kept serving and I promise you it saved me But that wasn't the only season where serving saved me. Serving saved me in a lot of seasons. In fact, the very next season of my life, right after high school, I moved to Texas to go to seminary, go to Bible college, study to be a 
minister because I felt and since this call of God on my life that was confirmed by the people of God around me. And so I pursued that. And I didn't realize when I left to go to seminary that I was um, now on my own in all of life as a 17 year old. I sort of discovered it semester by semester that first freshman year of seminary when, uh, when I would try to start the next semester and find out that the, um, the people who were supposed to be taking care of our, my student Bill who said they were hadn't done a thing and now I had to come up with thousands of dollars in seven days uh, otherwise, I wasn't going to be able to continue school the next year. I found very quickly and by happy chance that I was on my own, which then led to holidays where I didn't have anywhere to go. People like to talk about mental health a lot these days. Can I tell you something that will wreck your mental health? Try being 18 years old and spending Christmas by yourself in a dorm where there's not another human being on the campus. But you don't know where to go. And you don't feel like you have any friends who understand. And you don't have any family in your life that gives a about you. But when I moved to Texas to go to seminary, on a Friday night I went to a prayer meeting at a church that a friend of mine was in a kind of discipleship program at. And in this prayer meeting, I sensed the Holy Spirit tell me to pour my life into the mission and vision of that church. So I did. And so I found people and said, can I serve in some capacity? Now granted, I was a student going to school full time. I was working full time hours, literally 35 to 45 hours a week while going to college full time. I on top of that, found time to serve. I remember Sundays for an extended period of my life uh, felt like this, this continuum of time that would just uh, like never end. You see, as I, as I worked valeting cars, um, I had two nights a week off. I had Wednesday night and Sunday night. On Wednesday night, we had youth service. So I was at youth service every Wednesday night uh, while I was in college. And then on Sunday night, I actually led a high school small group um, in our youth ministry. But my Sunday would actually start on Saturday afternoon. Because on Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock, I had to show up at my valet account to get things prepared for that night. I would work 12 hours, literally till 3 o'clock Sunday morning. By the time I would make my money drop and get back to my dorm and get in bed, it would be 4.30 in the morning. I would wake up one hour later. I don't say this to impress you. I say this to help you see something. I would wake up one hour later. I did this for the better part of three and a half years. Wake up an hour later to get showered, dressed, suited, and booted. Because the church I served at in Dallas, they was a suited and booted church. If you know what I'm saying, like a little different than this. It took a minute to get ready. But I get suited and booted. And I would go meet my pastor in the, his office at 6.30 in the morning on Sunday morning. Because he had seen a gift of communication on the inside of me. But not just the ability 
ability to communicate personally, the ability to articulate how someone else might be able to get better at communicating. So as an 18-year-old, I was very humbled and honored to be able to sit there with my senior pastor and listen to the sermon he was about to preach and have him preach it to me in his office to try to help make sense and clean up some things so that way he could give the clearest communication of the sermon he was going to give. And then I would go and be a part of the service that would go on that day or services that would go on that day. And then I go to lunch and then I get prepped for the home group. Then I'd lead a high school home group. And about nine o'clock on Sunday night, I would pass out. But can I tell you, this saved me. See, there is this trendy thing right now. You can find these all over the internet. You can find them on TikTok. You can find them on Instagram. You can find people on Twitter trying to bash the church about, about people who serve and about people who give of themselves and the long hours and the this and the that. Baby, I have a very different story to tell. I have a story to tell of if it wasn't for the opportunity to leverage my time, to leverage my gifts, to use whatever God had given me in some way to serve other people. I don't know that I'd be here. I for sure wouldn't be your pastor or your preacher or the person you stumbled across on YouTube. I for sure wouldn't be here. I don't even know if I'd be alive. I don't know if I'd be married. I don't know if I'd live in Memphis. I don't know if I ever would have finished seminary. Because I probably would have given up somewhere along the way. But because I served, I found people in my life who stirred on the calling of God within me. Because I served, I realized that my life was more than just what the people who were supposed to be there for me said about me. So even though I may spend Thanksgiving by myself, there are people who love me. There are people who are for me. And I am a testimony today that serving can save your life. See, if you're wanting to take notes today, some of you are like, is he ever going to get to the Bible? I will in a minute. But I really feel on today I have to raise this need for you before we study the scripture together. Because what I'm here to tell you, write this down. God can protect you because you serve. Some of you do not realize what God will keep you from because you serve. The heartache and the hurt he can protect you from. The, the mental breakdowns that he can protect you from. The making the wrong decision he can protect you from. The walking in the right path he can protect you from. Some of you do not realize what God can protect you from. But God can protect you because you serve. He can use serving to build a shield around you, to be a fence around you that will guard you from where you do not need to go and from what you do not need to entertain in your life. God can protect you because you serve, but also God can transform you because you serve. I'm a different person because I serve. To be honest, I think part of the reason I am even a, a pastor today is because I served when I was in high school and I was given the opportunity either at 14 or 15 years old to start preaching because they saw something on the inside of me that I didn't even see. And I started preaching in our youth group. And I started preaching sometimes. We had Sunday night service. I started preaching sometimes on Sunday night service. I, started, I got to preach one time on a Sunday morning service before I went off to seminary. Like, I got to preach a few times. And, and the gift that was on the inside of me began to be seen and developed because insecure little Michael didn't see that on the inside of him. But somebody saw in me what I couldn't see. And God developed that. But it was because I served because God can transform you 
because you serve. And God can use you because you serve. Some of you honestly feel like you don't have um, that much to offer. You say, but man, I'm too old or I'm too young or I ain't talented. I ain't called into ministry. It ain't about those things. God has gifted us all uniquely and brought us together to do something together we could not do individually. That's why around here, the way we say it is that we get to serve. It's not that we have to serve, we get to serve. We get to serve because it can protect us. We get to serve because it can transform us. We get to serve because God can use us. We get to serve. Somebody in that chat needs to say, we get to serve. So we believe it's a joy and a privilege to use our gifts and our talents to serve God in some capacity. The serving is not what we have to do. Serving is what we get to do. And I get to use whatever ability or talent or time or treasure or tenacity that God has put on the inside of me for his honor and his good. We get to serve, but I need you to understand something today before we explore the scripture together. God can't make you serve. You say, God can do anything. Yeah, but he's left this choice up to you. God can't make you serve. He can bring a preacher into your path on this particular Sunday or this particular Tuesday or whatever day you may be listening to this podcast or watching this on YouTube. He can can bring uh, an instigator, an agitator into your life to help you to see what he wants for you. But God can't make you serve. He can put giftings and talents on the inside of you. He can give you ability, but he can't make you serve. But my job on today is to help your eyes to be open and to push you into what God has built you for and it's he's built you to serve. And I think one of the greatest pictures of how serving works together within a local church is found in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And today I want to read a significant portion of it in two parts. And as we explore these two parts of it, make two gigantic Thoughts come alive to you. I want to give you the first one, then we're going to begin reading in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The first thing is this, and I'd love for you to write this down today. But I want you to know you are gifted to serve. You are, I know you're sitting at the house, I know you're watching this on vacation, I know you're driving in the car, I know you're listening to the podcast, I know you may not feel like you have that much to offer, but hear me today, you are gifted to serve. You are gifted by God to serve. Somebody needs to say this. Somebody ought to type this in the chat. Say, I'm gifted. I'm gifted. I know know your teacher didn't tell you that. Your mama didn't tell you that. That's okay. You're gifted. You say, how do you know? Verse 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul says, now there are different gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God activates each gift in each person. Listen to this next sentence. A demonstration of the spirit. Another way to say that would be a gift. Is given to each person to produce what is beneficial. If you don't believe it yet, just say it again. Say I'm gifted. To one is given a message of wisdom through the spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, different kinds of languages. To another, interpretation of languages. But one and the same spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as he 
wills. This is Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, helping the church to understand their gifted, to helping the church to understand that God has gifted each person in some way personally, that you are gifted and you are gifted to serve God by serving other people, by serving in his church. There are two understandings you need to catch from this that I think are very important in uh, materializing and finalizing and establishing what your gift even is. Please write this first one down. You see, we have gift, different gifts, Paul says this, but the same source. We have a lot of different gifts. He lists some here that are spiritual, that are literally uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit, that you can't make yourself have discernment. You can't make yourself uh, be able to speak in another language. You can't make yourself prophesy. You can't do that. But the Spirit of God can empower you to do those things. From that moment where we ended there on, Paul then actually begins to talk about more of the natural gifts that are woven into the inside of us. The, the natural gifts that are just there that aren't necessarily some bestowment of a spiritual gift when you get saved, but they are the way God wired you while you were in your mother's womb. We have different gifts, but the same source. Because it doesn't matter what your gifting is. It doesn't matter what the gift is that God has given you. God gave it to you. It's not just your gift. It's not just your talent. It's not just your ability. It's not just the fact that you took lessons for eight years. It's not just the fact that you went to college and studied that. It's not just the fact that, that you've, been, you've just been so gifted at this thing for a long time. No, no, no. You need to understand, whatever it is, however you got it, God gave it to you. That is why it has always troubled me when people are hesitant to use their gifts for God. I got a friend who is a... Um, he is a, uh, a figure in the Christian hip-hop scene, right? And uh, I remember years ago talking to him about using his gift in the church on one particular day to do this worship thing that we were doing because he is a, he's, a, he's a rapper and he's, he's quite good. And I said, man, I would love for you to come in. And, and I remember him saying to me something of the effect of, man, you got to understand, man, uh, because of my gift and because of all this stuff going on around me, I got I to gotta get paid now to use my gift. God gave you the gift, whatever it is. The ability to sing, the ability to play an instrument, the ability to speak, the ability to rap, the ability to lead, the ability to administrate, the ability to teach, the ability to be nice to people, the ability. God gave you whatever that gift is. See, we have different gifts, but the same source. And as soon as we start forgetting where our gift comes from, we will start to either reserve our gifts for special occasions or be unwilling to use our gift because we think we're the one who did it. No, 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 no. It wasn't you. It wasn't your lessons. It wasn't. No, it was God who gave you the gift. But there's a second reality Paul makes real clear in what we read. I'd love for you to write this down, too, because we have different gifts. But the same significance. Not only do our gifts come from the same source, they have the same significance. Now, in the church world, we love to elevate certain gifts, talents, and abilities over others, just like people do in society. We love to elevate in the church people who speak. 
If you have the ability to communicate in some capacity, particularly if you could take a microphone or stare into a camera and communicate with some intelligibility or some sort of way that makes people want, then we elevate that. We elevate, for whatever reason, people who sing. If you can carry a tune, you can sing a certain way, you can move a crowd, you can sing, then, then, then we sort of elevate that. If you can play an instrument, we seem to sort of elevate that. But for whatever reason, we think that those are the only three buckets of gifting that God gives. Not true. Or we think those are the only three buckets of gifts that actually matter. Not true. See, we have different gifts, but the same source. But we also have different gifts and the same significance. See, it's a gift to be able to play an instrument. But it's also a gift to be able to administrate things, to organize things. There is a gift the New Testament talks about that is administration. And you can see it. Man, some of y'all, some of y'all can't organize your own closet. What makes you think you can organize a ministry or organize an outreach or organize a team or organize a group of people or shoot, organize some coloring sheets for kids? Like, what are we talking about? It is a gift to be able to administrate. But for whatever reason, because much of administration happens behind the scenes, we have seen to devalue it rather than to elevate it like it should be. We have different gifts, but the same significance. Hospitality is a gift. The New Testament talks about the gift of hospitality. And I know it's a gift. You know why? Because I've been a pastor for many years and I've been invited over the years to many, many gatherings, to many, many people's houses, to many, many events at places hosted by people. And I can tell almost immediately whether or not somebody is gifted in hospitality or they just have people over the house. Because some people are great at it. Some people know how to throw a party. Some people know how to make sure people feel welcome in places that are new or unfamiliar to them. And some people ain't really concerned about that. And those who ain't concerned about that don't think about those who are new coming in. They're just good because they're good. You've missed it. Hospitality is a gift. In fact, I would say even in a church service, hospitality is as much a gifting that's needed as singing or speaking. And I'll tell you why. Because if you're not well-received when you come in online, if you're not well-received when you come in in person, the problem is you could be tuned out and checked out or possibly even left. It's really easy just to click off. It's really easy just to tune out. It's really easy just to get back in your car and go back to the house. If you weren't greeted, if you weren't invited, if you weren't talked to, if you weren't cared for, you may not have even got to hear the beauty of that song. You may not even got to hear the wonder of that musician. You may not even have gotten to hear the word that God has from you from the preacher on that day. Because somebody wasn't using their gift of hospitality. Hospitality, it matters, and it's a gifting. The ability to build is a, is a gift. One of the early signs of the gifting of God on somebody's life occurs in the Old Testament. When, when, when God says that he has anointed and appointed two craftsmen to oversee the, the creation of these special objects for the house of God. But somehow we think building doesn't really matter. If you can hang sheetrock or lay, lay tile or, or paint or do electrical work or, or what, that somehow that doesn't matter. Miss me with that. It's a gift. It's a gift God gave you. And it's not less than, no. 
It's all significant. Leadership is a gift. Read it in the scripture. It's all a gift. We have different gifts, but the same significance. The problem is we have this way of not celebrating them on the same level. But I came to shake that up today and to help you realize that whatever your gift is, whatever your talent is, it was given to you first and foremost by God, the same source who gave everybody else their gift. And the gift you have is significant. Somebody say, my gift is significant. My gift is significant. How God built me, what he's called me to do, how he wired me, put me together, gave me talent. It is significant. It's significant not only for me to use it, but it's significant for what he's trying to build through us. See, what you don't understand is that your gift is given to you by God for a purpose. You are gifted to serve. And since you're gifted by God, what you need to recognize in this moment before we continue reading today is that if you're not using the gift God gave you, then you're wasting the gift God gave you. If God gifted you to lead and you're not leading, you are wasting the leadership God put on the inside of you. If God gifted you to build and you're not building, you are wasting the gift God put on the inside of you. If God gifted you musically and you're not using that musical talent, you are wasting the gift God gave you. If God gifted you in a way to teach children and you're not teaching children, you are wasting the gift that God gave you. If God gifted you to speak and you're not speaking, you are wasting the gift that God gave you. Don't waste it. Because you are gifted to serve. But there's a second reality I need you to see that Paul makes so, so clear in such a strong way as he continues his writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and it's this. Would you write this down? That not only are you gifted to serve, but you are necessary to us. Somebody in the chat right now needs to just type, I'm necessary. I'm, nece I'm needed. I'm necessary. I'm needed. Come on, some of you, you need to say that to yourself because I know sometimes attending church online, you may feel like, oh, you're not as important as somebody who can come in person. No, you're wrong. Somebody listening to the podcast feels like, well, all I could do was listen to the podcast of the sermon. I couldn't even see the news and I couldn't even do all that because of my schedule right now. And maybe you don't feel all that needed. Maybe you don't feel all that necessary. You need to hear me. You need to say, I am needed. Because not only are you gifted to serve, you are necessary to us. Here's how Paul continues. Picking up in verse 12, we're going to read to verses 22. And then we're going to skip ahead and just close this section out with verse 27. One of my favorite verses in all of the scripture. For real, for real. Listen to what it says. It says, for as the body is one and has many parts. He's, he's about to make an illustration here. And he's talking about our human body. For as the body is one, it has many parts. In all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized into one spirit, into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. And we were made to drink of one spirit. So the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. In spite of all this, it still belongs to the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, in spite of this, it still belongs to the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed each one of the parts in one body just as he wanted. 
And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? Now, there are many parts, yet one body. So the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. But even more, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are necessary. And then Paul kind of wraps this up. He just keeps going on the same thinking here for about five more verses. But I'm going to save us some time and just jump to verse 27. He says, all of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a separate and necessary part of it. You know, he's saying that to you and me on today. All of us together are Christ's body. Young or old, wealthy or struggling with resources, feeling like we're super talented because people share our talents and love to talk about what we can do, or not feeling like we're very, all of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a separate but necessary part of it. What he's saying here is it's not about what you do. It's about that you do what you do. The illustration Paul creates here is so important to see. Because we understand it in our human body. Like, we actually call things strange if they had three hands. I mean, you're supposed to add two. But if you got three, what's wrong with that? Oh, we got five digits, right? That's what you're supposed to have, five fingers on a hand. If somebody got a sixth one popping up over here, like that right there, it's like, what's going on with them? We got two eyes. Some of us protect our eyes very much. I'm very religious by going to the eye doctor. That's the only doctor I go to religiously, but I go to the eye doctor because I can't see. I'm very, I'm very cautious and very protective of my eyes. But if my whole body was an eye, I wouldn't be a body, I'd be an eye. And he says, how crazy would that be in the human body? But yes, sometimes that's what we do in the body of Christ. We say, well, I don't need you. I just, I got the eyes. I am an eye. Eyes are all that matter. No. Man, I, I, I got hands. Hands are all that matter. No. They called that thing on the Adams family. Like, no. You, you, need, you need more than just that. All of us together. You may be an elbow. You may be a back muscle. You may be some hair. You may be some, 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 some of the nervous system. You may be an ear. You may be a nose. But all of us together make up Christ's body. You see, what your gift is doesn't make you a part. But using your gift, whatever it is, makes you a part. Every single person, every one of us, every one of you watching, listening today, are a part of the body of Christ that God is building here at Believe. And it's not just what you are that makes you a part. It's when you use what you are, when you do what you do. If you're a hand, but you ain't doing what a hand is supposed to do, then, then here's what's true. We're struggling. If you're an ear, but you're not doing what the ear is supposed to do, guess what? We're struggling. You see, other parts of the body hurts when the part of the body that you are, when the, the thing that you do best isn't being done. Now, I know that hurts a little bit to hear. A lot of times, preacher won't tell you that. I'm telling you the truth. Other parts of the body hurts when one part of the body isn't doing what it's supposed to do. I've been on crutches one time in my life. Only once. It's weird because I played sports growing up, played sports in high, uh, high school and in college. 
I, uh, I've liked being athletic, running around. I play basketball, you know, in, in a bunch of Y leagues and all this kind of stuff, like through a lot of my 20s and my early 30s. Like, like I, I like to do stuff. I, I'm, I'm, I carry the 700 pound tables. Like I just get, I, if there's work to be done, I get after it. But only one time in my life I've ever had to be on crutches and I was in college. We actually were with our, uh, the, the youth group there. We were at this, this fall retreat. And I remember I, I sprained my ankle in some way like so bad that the, the medic there at the campground actually had to take me to the, to the emergency room and get them to you know, look and test and do a report. And they put me on crutches. And I had to spend two or three weeks on crutches. Now, this was back in the day because you know, now people would be getting them scooters. You know what I'm talking about? Where you put your knee up and you just be on them scooter. And the reason is because of what I'm about to tell you. But I had crutches. So everywhere I went, going to class, two, three weeks, crutching. Trying to get back and forth to wherever it was I needed to be, I'm crutching it everywhere I go because I had to keep weight off my ankle because my ankle wasn't able to carry uh, the, the weight that it carries, and it has a lot of weight <laughs> to carry. And so I needed to let it rest. I needed to let these three tendons in my, in, my, in my foot and ankle that had been strained heal up and strengthen up. And so that's what I was doing. But do you know what I discovered being on crutches, not using my ankle? That period of time hurt the mess out of my armpits. Now, if you ain't never been on crutches, you don't understand the pain. But, but, but like having those, those pads, <laughs> like even though they're not very padded, like up underneath your armpit. Now your armpit has a function. I don't know what it is, but it's got a function. Like besides just stinking and being sprayed, you know? Like, but having those, having those, those crutches up underneath your armpits, like it hurts. Like, like these little, little side, like it, it, it hurt. And I remember like every time I would get to set the crutches to the side and sit down, I'd just be in pain because it was like, oh man, this is hurting my armpits. Why were my armpits hurting? My armpits probably wondering, what did we do? We just out here trying to be the best armpit we could be. But all of a sudden the ankle wasn't doing what the ankle was supposed to do. And whether you like ankles, don't like ankles, respect ankles, glorify ankles, or don't think much about ankles. Here's the thing, when the ankle ain't doing what the ankle's supposed to do, somebody is hurting and their name is the armpit. Now you may not like that illustration and that's okay. I'm just trying to lean in like Paul did. I need you to see what happens in the body of Christ, what happens in the local church. When you're gifted, because you are, when you're talented, because you are, and you're not using your gifting and your talent the way you're supposed to in God's church, somebody else is hurting because you ain't doing what it is you can do. And not only that, the thing that God's called us to do, the future that he has for us becomes unattainable and unachievable if you won't do what you are supposed to do. You see, we can't do, write this in your notes, what we're built to do, if you don't do what you're built to do. As a church, we can't do what we're built to do. God has us here on purpose. God has you here on purpose. This may be your first or second week. You may have been here for a year or two. I don't know, but God has you here on purpose. But if you won't do what you're built to do, then we can't do what God has built us to do and what he's called us to do. That's why today, here's what I believe. And here's what I'm calling us to. I believe that every one of us should find a place to serve in the church. Every one of us. 
Every single one of us should find a place that we serve in the church. Now hear me, what you do is not important, but that you do is. It doesn't matter whether what you do is very public or not. That's not about it. It don't matter. All of you together are Christ's body. Each of you is a separate and necessary part of it. It's not about what you do. It's about that you do. It doesn't matter the role. It doesn't matter the place. It doesn't matter the notoriety. It doesn't matter whether people will celebrate you, know you're the one that did it, or have no idea that you're the one that did it. But God has called us to build something. God has called us to do something together. And I want you to hear something today. You are gifted by God to do it. And you are necessary to us in doing it. Now I know what some of you are probably thinking, particularly maybe if you're newer to the church. Maybe you've been coming for a few weeks, few months, maybe today's even your first day. The, the logical question would be, well, I hear you saying that. I appreciate your little personal story. And I see what you're saying from the scripture, but you know, I don't even know that you need me. Cause I mean, worship, worship when? Or maybe you've been in person before, you dropped your kids off and beat kids and all the rooms were staffed and, and somebody checked your kid in and you drove up in the parking lot and people waved at you. You came in the door, somebody's handed you a worship guide. You, uh, Tried to get a t-shirt because we had some merch out and somebody handed you a t-shirt and, and people greeted you and talked to you and, and, and things were prepared and you're like, I don't know if you need me. Well, can I tell you the reason that we are able to do what we do right now is because of the people who already serve. But what we're doing right now is not the end. This is just the beginning. So you say, do we need you? Yes. And one of the primary reasons that you don't see yet, but you're about to see, is because God has called us to more. God has called us to reach more people, to serve more people. And as he is bringing more and more people to our church in all capacities, through classes and through events, through outreaches and through services, we know now that it is time to make more room when it comes to our in-person services on Sunday. And so beginning Sunday, September the 10th, believing we will have two worship experiences every Sunday morning. We'll have two identical services with the same worship, the same preaching, same ministry for kids, same hosting opportunities, but here's where you come in, particularly if you're not serving. We're not doing everything twice. That's right. So if you think it's covered now, guess what? In a month, it won't be because we'll have double the kids' rooms because we'll have double the services to be able to greet people at. We'll have double the opportunities to be able to use gifts and talents to sing, to lead in worship, to do production, to communicate, to do all these things. And so you're needed, you're wanted, you're necessary to us. I'm excited. And the primary reason I'm excited is yes, because I believe as we create more room, there are going to be hundreds of new people who are reached with the good news of Jesus. Hundreds of people that will experience transformation 
in Christ because now there's space for them to come. If you come to our in-person services through most of the summer, we was full. Y'all couldn't even tell, but we was kept adding little seats and adding seats and adding seats as we've been moving stuff around to try to make more room. And now we're basically at capacity with the seat-wise. Can't really put that many more seats in here. And can I tell you what? It's time to make more room. But the reason in my heart, as someone who, again, was saved by serving, my life is different because I served. In seasons when it's been easy and in seasons when it was difficult. In seasons when I had enough time and in seasons when I felt like I didn't have enough time. I was saved because I served. Here's what I'm excited about. Is we are now creating more room for more people to serve. See, what I want to see in our church is this culture where many people will attend one service and then serve at another service. Maybe you are gifted when it comes to kids and you love kids and you love being with kids. Maybe you could come to service and then go serve in a B kids room so that other people can go to service or so that other people can come for the first time at that hour or, or vice versa. Maybe you would be uh, someone who is hospitable and you could greet and you could welcome and you could connect with people. And that would be wonderful. And you could do that in one service and then another service you just come in and worship God and receive his word and it'd be great. Maybe you're someone who's gifted musically and you're like, oh man, the musicians are so great. The singers are so great. Guess what? We need you. If you can sing, we need you. If you can play an instrument, we need you. Maybe you like the audio visual side of things. You like the lighting and the media and the production. Can I tell you, we need you. Why? Because we're making more room. And I believe there are many under the sound of my voice that as we make more room are going to experience the saving power of serving. That you're going to find yourself protected because you're serving. You're going to find yourself transformed because you're serving. You're going to find yourself to be used by God because you're serving. And so that's why today I want you to jump in. I ain't asking you to pray about it because you hear me say sometimes, sometimes there are things you shouldn't pray about. This is one of them. We aren't to pray about serving. We are commanded to serve. Use whatever gift you have received to serve others. That's what the scripture says. Use it. Don't pray. Use it. And so that's why if you're watching at church online, in the chat right now is a, is a button you can click and you can sign up to join a team. If you're listening to this podcast, you can head to believing.church and you can click right up there at the top. You can get involved. The first option there is to join a team. You can join a team today. Do not wait. Do not do not wander, do not, listen, there are opportunities to serve online. Some of you do not live in proximity to our facility. It's too far of a drive. You live in another state. You live in another country. Listen to me. You can serve online. There are opportunities for you. But you have to take the step because you were built for it. You were built to use what God has gifted you with for his honor, for his glory. You are necessary to what God is building here. And so please don't use the excuse that you're, you're too busy. Because you know what? There are people going to school full-time and working full-time that are serving in the church right now. There are people that own their own business that are serving in the church right now. There are single moms with three kids trying to handle all that that are serving in the church right now. You're not too busy. You just haven't prioritized it. You were built to serve. It's not that you don't have the time. 
You were built for this. It's not that you're too old. Sometimes people will be like, well, I'm too old. Listen, I love the fact that there are people in their 60s and 70s and 80s that serve in our church. And you're not too young. I love the fact that we have middle school students, high school students, college students leading in every ministry on every level of ministry in our church. You're not too young and you're not too old. You need to get this. Some of you are like, but you don't understand. I've been hurt by church and I've been hurt by serving. Listen, you're not too hurt. The enemy is using that lie to keep you bound rather than realizing God has built you and he has gifted you and you start using it, the healing you need, the protection that you want would come back to you. In fact, some of you, it would come to you for the first time. You are just allowing your hurt to act like this reason as to why you shouldn't. When God wants to heal you as you serve, you're not too untalented. You're not too insignificant. You, 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 it's not that your peace doesn't matter enough. No, no, no. All of us together are Christ's body. And each of us is a separate and necessary part of it. So right now, jump online. Click that link. Pick a team. Sign up. And let's go. Because, friend, we are not the church because we go to church. We are the church because we beat the church. Because we recognize that we are built for it and all of us together are Christ's body. Each of us matter. We're separate and necessary to what God is building. Father, I thank you for your word today. I pray it would move our hearts in a significant way to recognize the gifting you've put on the inside of every one of us but also the responsibility that we have not to waste the gifting you've given us, but to use it for your glory and the good of people around us. And so, Father, I pray you move the idle and the indifferent. You move those who have been well, too well content to allow other people to serve for them. Father, I pray you awaken a sleeping giant that is going on right now in our midst and that you use all of us together for the honor of your great name so that people who are far from you would find hope in you. That as we create more room with adding another service, that yes, people in our community, people in our neighborhood, people in our city would be reached. But not only that, that people who step into serving would find the healing, and the purpose, and the protection that only comes as they serve. Father, I pray you do it for the honor of your great name pray all this Jesus in your precious name. And everybody said, amen.